Welcome to War Stories. I'm Preston Stewart, and this is a show where we talk about America's military history through the lens of individual acts of heroism and valor. Enjoy. All right, today we've got the story of Marine Lance Corporal Joshua Mui. Mui was serving with uh, 2-1 Marines, part of the 2nd Marine Division in Iraq in 2005, and he would take part in an operation known as Steel Curtain. Steel Curtain was an operation that took place in western Iraq, Anbar Province specifically, between November 5th and 22nd, 2005. To give you some broad you know, background on where we sit in the Iraq war invasion kicked off March, 2003, the, you know, really civil, the start of the civil war is a few months away. There's certainly undercurrents. Um, and there always have been that hasn't stopped, but at this point in the war in late 2005, we're not quite engaged in what would come, um, for a few years really plagued the country as a sectarian civil war, incredibly bloody civil war across the country. Um, we're not quite there, but we're very, very close at this point in the war. It's becoming more and more obvious that there are foreign fighters involved that we're not just battling, you know, for the longest time we talked about how these were, um, Saddam loyalists. And these were guys that missed their jobs and they missed their, uh, the old status quo. And they were trying, you know, resentful of the new, of the new, uh, the new normal. And in some, in some cases that was true. And, and you even saw some guys from Saddam's inner circle slowly make their way into, to today, some of the leading terrorist and insurgent groups across the area. So it's not that that isn't true, but that was a pretty solid narrative for a while. But by late 2005, we really started to see that there were a substantial amount of foreign fighters coming in to, attack American forces specifically. This was the way I always looked at it. And I don't know if, if this will connect with everybody is America presented a target. So there were a lot of people around the world that didn't like us, that don't like us. Um, and there was, there's only so many places that you can come and, and get into a fight with American forces. There was Afghanistan, really hard to get into Afghanistan unless you're in Pakistan. It's, it's, it's a different fight there. The fight in Iraq um, was more front page. It was more international. It was catching a lot of headlines. The casualty figures were higher. The civilian casualties were higher. It was a hot topic. It was an easy recruiting tool, and it was pretty darn easy to get into Iraq from a lot of different. It's pretty, you know, from just about every direction. It's pretty easy to get into Iraq whether you were for any reason. And one of the main issues that the United States was identifying in 2005 was this Western entrance through the Euphrates river Valley from Syria into Anbar province, you know, into Iraq, into Baghdad. And you, if you look at the Euphrates river Valley and kind of how it flows into Baghdad, it's just a story of some of these, you know, serious, deadly, vicious battles throughout the Iraq war. Of course, Anbar in general is known as just one of the deadliest areas of the country during the United States time in Iraq. But you've got um, Haditha, 
You've got um, Ramadi, Fallujah. I mean, it, it's one after the other after the other of these just hotspots that continued all throughout this area. And one of the reasons was it was this it was this pipeline for foreign fighters coming through Syria. So in 2005, November of 2005, Operation Steel Curtain kicks off. There's going to be two Marine battalions leading the charge, and the idea is going to be to sweep through three towns. They're going to sweep through Karabila, Husayba, and Ubaidi, Iraq. And I probably mispronounced each one of those. I'm sure they're pronounced a couple different ways, but they're they're right up against the Syrian border. They're in Iraq, up against the Syrian border in the Euphrates River Valley. And the idea is the United States leading with two battalions of Marines, you know, sweep through these areas, um, kill, capture as many insurgent fighters as possible, and set up some level of permanent-ish bases to where they can, you know, going forward, maybe have a little bit of monitor on the insurgent activity in the area. So moving to Lance Corporal Joshua Mui. He and his unit are clearing houses. They've been taking part in this operation for some, for uh, for a little over a week now. It's 16 November 2005 that we're diving into. And they're wrapping up clearing a block. And, and what had happened before American forces went into the city was they announced some things to the civilians and said, we started doing this in Fallujah a year prior, saying, hey, we're coming in. We're coming in to get the bad guys. If you're not a bad guy, come on out. It might be better. It might be safer if you're not there. And one of the directives we gave the civilians was put your blinds up, open your blinds and lock your doors. You know, don't open your home to insurgents to use as, as strong points. And that's generally what the Marines were seeing as they're moving through town. There were, there were absolutely a substantial amount of contact. Um, but th- there were quite a few homes that met this criteria that were um, doing their best to, to protect their homes as, as the families left. They get to one towards the end of the route where the door's open, not supposed to be open, and the curtains are drawn. So kind of the opposite of what you hope to see. But again, um, not everything was perfect, and and the job is to clear these buildings. So they move in the door, throw a flashbang in, and as soon as they get in the door, his squad is met with a hail of enemy gunfire from an estimated 20-plus insurgent fighters. There's grenades landing all around them. There are grenades coming through spider holes and walls, little holes punched in the walls, and there's grenades falling through there. It's a, it's an enemy, it's an ambush from an enemy element that is dug in, that is prepared to die, and maybe even corner themselves to where they are required to fight to the death. And they outnumber this American Marine rifle squad that just came in the door to clear the building. Right out the gate, multiple Marines are hit wounded, some are killed, and it quickly turns into a case of we have to get out of this kill zone. You know, we, we talked about this a few times before where in any, in any ambush where somebody's waiting for the opposing force to come to them and you're going to strike and surprise them, there's a kill zone. There's an area where they can mass their fire, and it might be you know a one-mile stretch of road if it's in the desert. In a building, a lot of times it's referred to as the fatal funnel. It's the doorway. It's as you come in where you stop and it's easy to get bunched up and there's only so much space in and so much space out. This is the type of area where they are receiving fire and they're having to get up and get out. So Mui moves forward, uh, suppresses enemy fighters, starts to pull wounded Marines out of this kill zone, out of this fatal funnel area. The other units, other 
other uh, portions of the unit come forward to help. And eventually, Mui has to make six trips into this this kill zone of a building. I mean, it's a fortified, entrenched enemy. It's a fortified building, entrenched enemy that are designed. They designed this space to kill Marines, to kill Americans. And Mui goes in six times in the course of this short firefight to pull his buddies out that are wounded or killed. His actions in and out, in and out, in and out. He pulled so many, he saved the lives of 10 Marines that he pulled out of that building killed at least four enemy fighters and was the only member of his team not to be wounded miraculously. I mean, just that's crazy. It's luck. It, it sounds like the only way not to be wounded is to be a block away. Not the guy that's charging in and out into the teeth of the enemy gunfight and pulling your guys out. But he does that six times over and over. Doesn't stop until his weapon is hit by an enemy round. So I guess he didn't, you know, he's not wounded, um, but his weapon gets destroyed because he gets hit by enemy gunfire and he's ordered to withdraw. He's ordered to, now that all the Marines are out of the building, they're ordered to pull back so they can strike the building and they're going to do away with this. Uh, they're going to put this, put those enemies, enemy fighters to rest. It raises a couple things. Um, well, let me get back to, to Lance Corporal Mui. He'd be awarded the Navy Cross for this action. This is pretty early in his deployment. Um, He'd be awarded the Navy Cross, second only to the Medal of Honor, for saving the lives of 10 Marines in that fight. It would it would not have been hard for that entire squad to have been wiped out. The numbers were against them. If there's three guys in that room, if they're fortified well enough, they could they could wipe out a squad. Because of what he did, because he didn't stop and just kept going, 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 and saved all 10 of those Marines. Um, I mean, it, they didn't stand a good chance against 24. So because of those actions, he's awarded the Navy Cross, second only, again, to the Medal of Honor. He survived the war and came home. But to talk a little bit about the nature of that fighting and why we're doing that. Why are we going into houses? Why are we going into buildings that we don't know to clear out enemy fighters? Why not just drop that bomb that they're getting ready to do and wipe them all out? Well, it's not that easy. You don't know where they are. Also, surprisingly, if there's enemy fighters in the first floor of a building and you drop a bomb on even a two-story building, even a one-story building... You'd be surprised at how, how often those guys get up and run away. These for being a 500 pound bomb or a, a, uh, or a hellfire missile. It's, it's surprising how well entrenched some of these enemy fighters can be. So you can drop bombs all over the place, depending on how well they've set up their position. It might not do any good. So we're going to drop a bomb on every building, hoping that there's an enemy fighter there. You have to go into these houses. You have to go in and clear out the enemy fighters one by one. And one of the major problems we had in Iraq, um, Iraq more than Afghanistan, um, but then Iraq more than Afghanistan because Iraq we saw more urban combat than Afghanistan. An issue in both of these conflicts, and we can look back to World War II in the Pacific as another time where this happened, is we were not we were not at a level understanding with our enemy. Throughout history, it it helps. It makes warfare easier when you have this understanding with the enemy that both people would just kind of prefer to not die. It, it makes you, it helps you to understand what they might do, whether that's retreat, whether that's to take up a certain position over another there there's, you can move forward with certain assumptions. If you know the guy that you're fighting would prefer not die. 
we've run into this issue over and over in Iraq and Afghanistan where guys hole up in positions where they're just going to die. So you might enter a broom closet you have to open it. You know, you're clearing a room and you would say, well, there's not going to be a guy in the broom closet because that would just be suicide. And then a guy shoots through the broom closet door. Like he knows he's going to die. His goal is to just maybe hopefully wound one American, not even kill an American. Like that makes these building clearances so much more difficult because you can't just go through the areas and, and the, the likely areas where an enemy fighter is going to be. They might be under a bed waiting to surrounded by Marines spray and hopefully hit somebody knowing that he's going to be shot and killed. It doesn't, it's hard to get your head around and it makes this urban combat so incredibly challenging because every corner there could be somebody waiting to kill you. They don't need an exfil route. They don't need a way to escape enemy firepower. They don't have to be dug in. They might just be on the other side of the door ready to shoot. So people like Lance Corporal Joshua Moy had to go in room to room, house to house, deployment after deployment, year after year, do these houses to clear insurgent fighters. And every room, every corner, every bed, every closet was a potential enemy fighter waiting to kill him. Joshua Mui knew it that day. His squad knew it that day as they were continuing to clear um, throughout the town. And even when they did come into a substantial enemy force, a sizable enemy that could have easily wiped out a squad because of the actions of Lance Corporal Joshua Mui, they didn't. And 10 Marines survived that day. Hey, thanks for listening to War Stories. If you get a chance, it'd mean an awful lot if you could head over to Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast and leave a review. It helps others to, to find the show. But thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.